Hi friends, welcome to The Faithful Podcast. Stories of people who walked by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. Thanks so much for listening. This is part two of my interview with Christine Patel. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go do that right away. Christine is a friend that I met through a small group Bible study last year. She's a wife and a mother to three beautiful children. About a year ago, Christine was given a life-changing diagnosis. I know that you will love hearing her story of God's faithfulness through that difficult time. So here is part two of my interview with Christine Patel. So um, what do you feel like has been um, a unexpected blessing to come from this experience? So like I said, I think um, one of the things that I've, I've loved is that the people around me have been so incredibly supportive, just wanting to help, offering to bring meals. I know y- y'all brought meals for us. It was amazing. Um, and even just praying, like that's been amazing, just having people pray over me. Yeah. Um, and um, I think also just seeing the way that God is working, that has been I say unexpected, but it was also kind of expected. Like I knew God was going to be doing something. He was going to move through this, but just seeing the way that that's been played out and, you know, the way that he's growing my children and growing my husband and growing me and growing the people around me um, has been so cool to watch. I love that process of watching people grow, which I think is part of why I love teaching because Mm -hmm. you get people grow firsthand. Yeah. Um, It's so cool. Well, um, what advice do you, would you give people who may be dealing with like a life-altering condition? Um, so I think for me, one of the biggest things, at least immediately, was just taking some time to grieve over yeah. whatever it is that you've lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't plan on staying there forever. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to move forward. And when you're not, you got to ask God to help you to move forward. Like, okay, God, what's next? I can't live in grief forever. And you know, there are moments of course, where you can go back and be like, wow, you know, that that's awful. But you know, I think it's important to not live there. Um, and I think I kind of mentioned it before too, but just like staying away from Google. In the very beginning, it's like, <laughs> I think that's, I mean, it's, it's kind of jokey, but it's very serious. Like you really can is. work yourself into a frenzy. It really, it really, really is. And yeah. I remember just in the, in a day or two after being diagnosed and just looking at Google and crying, like, this is awful. <laughs> because that's what people like to get on the internet and talk about, the awful things. They don't like to talk about the good things. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, quite honestly, since being diagnosed, there have been more good days than there have been bad. Mm. But Google wouldn't have you believe that. Mm. Um, and then I would also just add, like, like I said before, asking God to show you what it is that he wants you to learn from this experience, like how he wants you to grow, how he wants to use you. And just remember that, you know, it's never about you. Mm. Like, God didn't put this in my path because of me. He put this in me because I have a cloud of witnesses around me that are watching to see what God's going to do, watching to see how faithful. You know, that's a really cool thing. I don't need God to take away my MS to know how faithful he is. 
Mm. He's faithful regardless. Um, And I want people around me to see that God can be faithful despite the difficulty. Yeah. That's a lot like um, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, like even if, you know, we have a God who is able to do anything, he can rescue us, Mm -hmm. you know, but even if we're still going to serve him and we're not going to bow to, you know, if, you know, there was some way that you could renounce Christ and get rid of your MS, like, you know, there would, that's not, that's not even an option. That's because even the worst day with MS is uh, better than the best day without Christ. Exactly. And I remember coming to that realization um, that, you know, if I had to choose between having MS and no God, I'm sorry, I probably said that wrong, having no MS, no MS and having God versus the opposite. opposite. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Sorry. See, (laughs) MS was with my brain too. Like it's funny because it has given me this like mild dyslexia now. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's kind of funny, but it's not sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm having the same kind of moment, so I think it's also being put on the spot sometimes <laughs> that mixes <laughs> yeah. up our brains. It's kind of funny. Yeah. It's funny too because um, I, I get lost so easily. Yeah. And you know, I use the map on my phone, even just driving around my own neighborhood, and I could be going south, but my map is facing north, and I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> where am I going? <laughs> And then, you know, we have this tracker thing on our phone where my husband can see where I am all the time. And so inevitably he's going to call me, are you lost? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, um, I think that that's, that's profound, you know, to be in that moment, to be in this situation and still saying that with as much confidence that I don't, you know, that I I wouldn't choose this path to walk, but I'm so thankful that if I have to do it, I'm you know, yeah. I have, I have Jesus. So, um, what advice do you have for Christians who may want to support people around them dealing with a condition, um, that may be similar to MS? You know, I think it's really difficult, um, at least for me, uh, to try to switch it around and, and, and be on the other side of, of having MS and being somebody who cares about a person with MS, um, because a lot of times I don't know what I need. And, you know, a a lot of other times um, what I need is not something that anybody can do, but there are things that, that, that can be done that have just, even in the past year, just been so incredibly helpful. And the first thing I think is to just be available. Just, you know, there's some people that will just say, call me if you need anything, but there are those people that, you know, like I'm serious, even if it's two in the morning, call me. I will drop everything and come help you if I need to. Yeah. That is, that has been so huge. Just knowing, and and it's given us a lot of peace, just knowing that God has placed so many people in our lives that are willing to drop everything and help because MS is a very unpredictable disease. And it is something that, um, I can't plan around it. I don't know if I'm going to be healthy two weeks from now. So I, it's hard to make plans. And so it's wonderful to have people that can just drop everything at a moment's notice and just love you that much that they can do that. Yeah. Um, I think too, just um, praying, praying with me, praying for me or the person mm-hmm. um, with a big condition like that. And just knowing that God's listening. Yeah. He 
deeply cares. He's deeply concerned. And, you know, his answer may not be yes, but that doesn't mean he doesn't love you or that he's not concerned. And it might just be, he needs you to figure something out. He needs you to learn something in this. He needs to change you in some way. Mm. Um, And I think too, just not being afraid to ask questions. Um, I know with some people it's like, oh, I don't know if we can talk about that or whatever. I think you kind of have to know the person too, but I'm, I'm generally open book. And if you want to ask, I'm, I'm happy to tell you. And if I don't want you to know, I'll let you know that too. <laughs> um, and also just, you know, not being afraid to be light, lighthearted and be humorous about it. You know, yeah. it was refreshing when my daughter cracked that joke about not catching MS. Like, <laughs> you know, it's okay to make jokes about stuff like that. Yeah. On, 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 you know, I should caution on on a certain level depending on the person depending on the joke yeah I think in the right time in the right place I think it's yeah that humor is not gone because you're dealing with a difficult diagnosis yes absolutely yeah I think that that's really good so you know I guess the takeaway would be like you said to offer to be available and and not just make it an empty promise, like, and maybe even follow, would you feel like somebody following up with you regularly, checking on you, how are you doing? Because I feel like yeah. that's, that's kind of how you know who's serious, maybe, about yes. helping out. Yeah. I love when people do that. They're like, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. How are you feeling? And like, you know, because there's times where I'm not going to like reach out to every single person I know and tell them like, yeah, I'm having a hard time today. You're not going to uh, post it on Facebook for everybody to know yeah. that you're dealing with a relapse. <laughs> Yeah, that's not, yeah, that's not something I would do. And I think most people either. And so just checking in periodically, like, you know, how are you feeling? Or, you know, how are you mentally and emotionally? And, you know, that's one of the things that MS can do is it can affect your emotions. And depression is very common among people with MS. Um, It's a little bit funny. I heard this story about this woman who her MS has affected her emotions to where she laughs at everything. Even in, I say it's funny. It's a little bit funny, but a little bit not. Where she just laughs at the most inappropriate times. (laughs) her body knows to evoke emotional response, but laughter comes out all the time. (laughs) (laughs) There are worse things that could come out. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I, I think that might be a little entertaining at times. Other times, probably not so much, but yeah, you know, in your, in your times online and like in these forums and whatever, have you come across like anything that's like a specifically Christian MS support group? You know, I really haven't seen much. Okay. There's not a lot out there. I think in the last year, I've come across maybe two-ish people. Oh, wow. Yeah. So not much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that, that seems like a pretty, a pretty important, um, you know, group to meet together to people that are hopeful in the midst of a chronic illness and that are, have this, you know, not just like, oh, God, life's going to be okay because I believe it's going to be okay, but because I have hope beyond this life. Uh, right. It's not just, you know, we're going to think happy thoughts and it's going to be okay because I think people with MS especially know that that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it is helpful and important for people to have an eternal kind of God kind of hope. Yeah. Um, I saw something your husband posted not long ago on Facebook about um, you doing like a devotional time at, at meals with your kids. Can you tell me about that? Because I just think it's incredible. Yeah, so it's something that we've been doing um, for actually for several years. Um, 
but you know, it, it was different before the the coronavirus stuff happened because you know, like I said, my husband wouldn't always be home at dinner time, or you know, so and so would be off at you know a friend's house or whatever, and so it wasn't always super regular. But we've always felt a very strong conviction about how it is our responsibility to equip our children mm-hmm. to go out into the world with their faith. Um, it's not the church's responsibility to teach them everything they need to know. Um, and we're not going to leave it to the world to teach them. We want them to, to be firm in their faith. We want them to know why they believe what they believe. Um, and, you know, it's not like a super structured time. It's just, we're just all sitting around the table talking about whatever. Let's just, let's talk about the Bible. Let's talk about, you know, what's going on in your world and how can we tie that back to the Bible? Let's talk about, um, sometimes it does get a little bit intense. Um, we do, you know, moral dilemma kind of questions. And it's been very interesting watching the way they reason through some of these moral dilemmas. Yeah. Do you, oh, sorry, do you come up with these on your own or have you like found a resource for these dilemmas or? Uh, Google. Yeah. <laughs> One thing Google is good for. Yes. <laughs> so I'll yeah, just Google something like a moral dilemmas for kids or something like that, or I'll just come up with something just on the fly. Usually when we sit down at the table, I have no idea what we're going to do. We're just, what do you want to talk about tonight? Um, and, you know, right now we're going through revelation. Um, just, wow. you know, it's hard to get until we lose their interest, but it's been really interesting just hearing their thoughts on end times and, um, we're only, I think, on a third chapter right now where they're talking about, the, the, uh, John is addressing the different churches. And mm-hmm. um, that's been that's been cool to see. And, you know, they're all like, what's Ephesus? What is this? I'm like, you remember the book of Ephesians? And, you know, mm-hmm. we're just tying stuff together. And um, like I, I was about to say just a second ago, my husband is really good with apologetics, with defending the faith, mm. um, reasoning. And so he's really good about teaching them their reasoning skills, um, just how to process through information about, you know, we might come to the table with, you know what, I came across somebody that said this about God today. And what do you think about that? Let's process through that. Why is that right? Why is that wrong? Yeah. Um, And I think that's been really cool watching them just grow in that way that they, you know, they're they're able to pick up on a little bit faster, but I think apologetics is a very heady kind of subject. So, um, it can be a little hard sometimes, a little above them, but you know, we're going to keep trying. Yeah. But I mean, to do that, your oldest is what, 13 and your youngest is six? 14. 14. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to, to bridge that kind of gap and to talk about something that is, I mean, that's super important stuff. Like you, I mean, I, I don't know when the first time that you ever had people asking you questions about God, but a lot of my friends in high school were atheists and um, so I had questions early on and I had some kind of canned church answers that I didn't really believe, but to, to have that kind of background where, okay, I'm going to show you like, this is what, um, this is what, this is why this makes sense. And this, let's process through this. If you're going to say this, then you have to agree to these kind of statements and carry this truth that you're saying out I think that um, like logic kind of stuff and understanding like worldviews is really important because there's a lot of times when, you know, maybe in high school, college, especially we're figuring out who we are, where we might say, mm-hmm. I'm a, I want to pick and choose what I want about to believe about God, or maybe I want to pick and choose from this faith and that faith because I, I like how it makes me feel. Well, you can't. They're not all the same. Yeah, yeah, they're not. It's not. It's not a grab bag. You can't pick and choose. Um, and 
you know, you have a problem or you don't understand this thing about God, well, that makes sense. There's a lot of things we're not going to understand about God. So let's process this and let's let's get to the root of it or let's look at other scriptures and understand it mm-hmm. in a safe environment. I think that's incredible and something that, I mean, that's really inspiring to me because, you know, our table conversation at dinner is generally like, how was your day? You know, basic kind of stuff. And yeah. Um, sometimes we, we have devotionals at that time, but I think that to make that commitment, is it an everyday thing? Um, just about. Um, I mean, sometimes, <laughs> I feel bad saying this, but sometimes like my husband and I will let the kids kind of make whatever, like frozen dinners or whatever for dinner, and we'll go out and like get some, like he'll bring some te- Tex-Mex take home or we'll just eat that. <laughs> so we don't always, <laughs> the kids are like, hey. <laughs> You guys enjoy your frozen pizza, and we're yeah, going to— they're totally content until they see that we've got, you know, chips and salsa. That's a good idea. Yeah. You trick them. It's like the bait and switch. Like, look what you get. You get this wonderful thing that's kind of junky <laughs> that you don't normally get, and we're going to have something special. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, sometimes as grownups, especially being on lockdown like this, you have to have date nights. Mm-hmm. So. We don't do it every single night, and sometimes we really do just sit around and talk about whatever. It's we are not at all structured or rigid rigid about it. It's just, you know, what do you want to learn about tonight? What do you want to talk about? Um, and and sometimes it is the Bible. Sometimes it's you know, well, you know, so and so made me mad, and so we're going to talk about that. And um, so yeah, there's not a lot of structure to it or anything. But I, I want to just make one point going back to what you were saying about teaching apologetics. Um, you know, my husband is, Nick is very, um, this is his thing, and he's very passionate about it. And, you know, he, like I said, when he first came to faith, he had to fight through a lot of things. And um, he became very good at arguing and, and seeing things from different points of view. When, when he was, he went to law school, he's a lawyer. Um, one of the things that used to kind of bug me at the time, but I think is so valuable, is that he, <laughs> we would have like family over Mm-hmm. And you, when you have family over, you're all just, you know, talking about whatever. And he would purposefully take a point of view that was completely contrary to his own. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and defend it. <laughs> and, you know, he wouldn't tell anybody that he was doing it. And I remember one time, I don't remember what they were talking about, but my dad came to me one day and he was like, does he really believe that? And I was like, no. <laughs> Why would you think that? He was like, well, he was saying this and he was he had some really good arguments and <laughs> you know, I think he's just trying to polish up on his um, arguing skills, but yeah. that was a very valuable exercise. Um, and, and I think that that also really helps. Um, it's a great teaching tool for our kids and even for me in, you know, why do you believe that? And, and, you know, how can you see your way into believing that? And therefore, you know, you're better able to defend your faith mm-hmm. because you can see it from the other side. It's not an easy thing to do, but um, it's it's very val- valuable. Yeah, I think that's that's so smart to to understand where people are coming from. In fact, I as weird as it might sound to some people, you know, I don't know how wherever how, where everybody's coming from as far as like defending your faith or whatever, or or maybe even asking questions of other faiths. But um, whether we like it or not, a lot of different faiths teach that in like their equivalent of Sunday school. That they, mm-hmm. you know, their kids are learning that from an early age. They're learning to try and poke holes in a Christian faith or other faiths. And so, you know, if we equip our kids and we we don't tell them the answers that they need to regurgitate, but we have them um, 
you know, learn to process. We have them learn to work through things and to ask questions of other people, making them sort of think about why they believe what they believe. I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's so important for equipping our kids. I mean, like you said, the church can't do everything for them. Right. And I think that, you know, the, the world has gotten itself into an interesting place where the idea of science is contradictory to the idea of God. So, you know, I've, I know probably everybody has heard people say, well, I believe in science. Well, yeah. why does that have to contradict God? But mm-hmm. unfortunately, especially when you get into like institutes of higher learning, um, they kind of logic you out of God. Not kind of, they really do logic you out of God. And that's something yeah. that, you know, Nick really likes speaking to high school students because they're right before that age. Mm-hmm. The world, I say, gets them. It's not like the yeah. boogeyman. You know, they start teaching them how to reason their way into believing, quote unquote, in science. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, God is a reasonable God, and 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 God is um, the author of science. So those are not contradictory terms. But I think that you know, it's it's just an interesting time that we live in, where science and God are put out there to be so incompatible. Yeah. Um- that's that's really really good. Um, yeah, you've inspired me. I think you you and Nick should also write a book. This is my my personal thought. You should write a little devotional type book, but it should be geared toward families in these kind of discussions. Just throwing that out there. That's you know, <laughs> I don't know about the devotionals, but that has always been a dream of mine to write a book. Like I want to write a Bible study, write a book, write something, and I feel like girl, you know, do it. With everything that I've been through, like, I have a lot to say. Yeah. I couldn't tolerate I have a lot to say. Um, and, you know, and I, like I said, I think having MS does kind of throw some kinks in that. It, well, I say in that, not specifically in, in the idea of writing, but just, you know, my passion for teaching has to look a little bit different now that I have this diagnosis because, you know, I can't plan to be, to teach a six or eight or 10 week or whatever Bible study because I don't know you know, how healthy I'm going to be. And I may not be able to, to be there to do that. So yeah, yeah I like the but idea of, with a partner. Yeah, absolutely. That would be cool. I would come. Well, you live oh, kind of far, okay. but I would, I would make a way. <laughs> you can meet in the middle. Yeah. Meet in the middle. But so, six feet apart. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. It could be a zoom Bible study. I mean, yeah. that's everything is zoom these days. I never heard of zoom until Corona. And then now it feels like that's the only way we interact with people mostly. Yeah. I actually kind of like it because it yeah. you know, cuts down on your commute time and getting from place to place. But. Yeah. You know, I read something the other day that was interesting, and it was I think it was more talking about kids doing Zoom stuff, but it was saying how it's emotionally like taxing and mentally taxing to do Zoom meetings because if there's even a little bit of a delay, like you start to second-guess yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get that immediate like, oh, yeah, yeah, but it could just be a delay in there. And you're also very aware that you're being watched all the time. So so that makes people like way more self-conscious, but uh, Mm -hmm. overall it has been, it's, it's been a good substitute. It's not the same, but it's been a nice substitute for meeting together. Yeah. I can't even imagine what this all would have been like without the internet. Oh, (laughs) it would have been little house on the prairie. (laughs) It would have been. We're turning butter over here. Yeah, right. It would have seriously gone crazy. <laughs> uh, well, I want to change gears a little bit and ask you some other kind of questions. So what is something you're not very good at? 
<sighs> See, this is hard for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you're good at so many things? <laughs> no, no. Just because I, I tend to not dwell on that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I had to ask my husband. I, you know, you sent me these questions ahead of time. I had to ask my husband, like, what's something I'm not really good at? Yeah. And first joke, he, he said, you don't always see very well. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> dark. <laughs> no, not that. He does have a very dark sense of humor. Yeah. But um, he... He laughs at me a lot because he says I can't make phone calls, mm. like like you know on the phone. Yeah. Um, so when I was younger, I used to have a really bad social anxiety. Like I hated just being in public in general. Like I'm very much a homebody, but you know just talking to people was was stressful. And so making a phone call was just I don't want to do it. And so when we were dating, I remember. Um, you know, every now and then we'd order a pizza or something. And I'd just like, here, why don't you call an order? <laughs> After about the third or fourth time, he was like, why aren't you making the phone call? <laughs> like, I don't want to. So he finally figured it out. And he, he kind of has been teasing me about it for a long time. But I have totally gotten over it. Um, we are uh, in the process of, I, haven't, I can't tell my kids yet, but we're in the process of thinking about getting a pool. And so I was, what? I had to call a bunch of different companies today to get bids. And so I think I called like eight or nine companies in a period of 15 minutes. Wow. And I was like, ever make fun of me again for not being able to make a phone call. I'm done for the decade. I called 15 <laughs> people. <laughs> I that, can make phone calls. Well, I am proud of you. That's an accomplishment. I hate talking on the, the phone too, especially. Like, I don't yeah. mind to friends, obviously, but to yeah. to make a phone call where I'm going to be possibly not knowing what I'm talking about. Yes. I hate that. when the, They might ask me a question, and I'm going to be like, I don't know, or I may not even know what the question means, like, depending on yes. what I'm calling about. Yeah. Like, I remember being afraid, like, of calling for pizza, that I was just going to say something really stupid, like, I want a schmepperoni and, yeah. <laughs> and pizza, and then I'd have to hang up because I was just so embarrassed. <laughs> It's such a stupid thing to be embarrassed about, but no, I get it. I totally do. I usually make Phil call people. I, I'm really bad at like if I have to if there's a problem with something and I have to call about it. I oh, I, yeah. I start I'm crying on the phone. I'm so oh. I get like okay, I'll just keep this broken thing because I don't want to fight <laughs> you on this. <laughs> yes. So I I think that's I could share that thing being very bad at that. Well, I'm glad I'm not alone. Oh, definitely not. So what is one career you wish you could have? Uh, um, honestly, I think I'd want to be an author or just like a full-time Bible study teacher, writer, like, you yeah. know, like, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Have you, written, have you written anything? Um. I've written Bible studies. I've like, you know, wow. done all the research and all that. And um, I love doing that, but it's a lot, a lot of work. It's really intense, but um, I, I really enjoy doing that. That's great. That's awesome. And very, very admirable. That's, that takes a lot of dedication to do. I enjoy it. Girl, stick with it. I'll buy your book. Okay. <laughs> I'll just have the one sale. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. I'll leave a nice Amazon review for you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Um, since we are now in a pandemic, what are you missing most about your pre-COVID life? Um, I think it's kind of a two-part. Like, I miss my kids being in school. I love having them at home, but I miss, you know, that that feeling of dropping them off at school and just <laughs> doing whatever. Yeah. Like, it's really hard to have conversations 
um, like about potentially getting a pool mm-hmm. and not the kids hear about it. Like we're constantly having to like minimize browser windows and stop talking real quick when the kids walk in the room. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, there's a lot of other conversations like that. Real just, nice if you guys were at school right now. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, just dropping them off at school and like just wandering around Target aimlessly. Like I really miss that. Just, you know, <laughs> looking at all the pretty things and people watching and yeah, I, I really miss that the most. Yeah. You miss wandering around Target. I- yes. I'm, I'm a really big homebody. And so, you know, for me, going, going to Target is like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. I love Target. I just, I can't go in there because I go in for one thing and I come out and I literally will spend $100 on yeah. four or five items. And I'm like, no way does that math oh. add up. That does not that doesn't yeah. work. And then everything is like sixteen ninety nine, and it sounds like a small amount. And then when you get taxes, you get or, yeah, yeah. taxes. <laughs> yeah. It's not sixteen ninety nine anymore. It's a whole lot more, but yeah. Yeah. It's a tough store because you can go in there looking for like a pair of kids' shoes and come out with... Or like, batteries or something. Yeah. And you can come out with like a new lamp and like, yeah. you know, bed sheets. And, yeah. You've decided you want to redecorate your whole bedroom now. It's it's bad. It's dangerous for me. It's very dangerous. It is, yeah. Do you have any books, podcasts, TV recommendations for us? Um, actually, you know what? I have been um, listening to an audio book. Uh, it's called Becoming Mrs. Lewis, and it's a really cool story about how C.S. Lewis met his wife, Joy Gresham, Joy Davidman Gresham. Um, I knew a little bit about their story. I really love um, C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Um, but this was a really cool, it was a fictionalized story, but she did, a, the author did a wonderful job doing research on it. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it was just really cool watching the way God played out in their story and the way that he was very much involved. Um, it was a cool story in that she was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, she, they got married when she was in a hospital bed. Oh, wow. Fighting with cancer. And, um, you know, they were, there was, there was a lot of prayers said over her and, um, he had asked to take her sickness away from her. And so his health started seriously declining and she got another four years. Mm. And, um, he wrote the book, A Grief Observed, Mm -hmm. her dying, which, you know, I read that several years ago and I just thought, wow, he really, really loved her. Um, I thought that was a wonderful one. Um, in terms of podcasts, um, yours is amazing. I love listening to yours. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I really like um, Dallas Theological Seminary has a chapel podcast that they put out. And they always have okay. the most interesting speakers. Like they will have, um, they, have, they did one not long ago with, um, I think it was at Veterans Day, they had um, this guy who was talking about um, Christianity and the military. Um, they talk about they've had uh, Messianic Jews and just people from all over, and they're just very interesting and mm-hmm. you know very, very famous names. Um, and then you know I like Russell Moore every now and then when I need a little spiritual spanking. Yeah. Uh, and then um, actually, my husband Nick he's he's uh, coming he's working on coming out with a, his own podcast. Um, Oh, cool. I think it's so funny. He told me the other day, I I feel bad laughing, but it's kind of funny. He was, he's about to turn 40 now. And so he was telling me, I've accomplished nothing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Wow. 
Wow. Uh, it's a little melodramatic, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he, he said, you know, I really feel a strong calling toward teaching apologetics and making it accessible. And so he's going to be doing an apologetics podcast. Um, he's That's come up with, I actually came up with the name Sensible Theism. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And so he's, he's going to be gearing it toward just novices to faith, atheists, theists, whatever. That's, um, that's awesome. Yeah. We, um, <laughs> so when we get mail, we, we have to quarantine it in the house because, you know, our, our local mail, mail place has had known cases of coronavirus. And so we let it sit in quarantine for several mm-hmm. days. So right now we have a bunch of recording equipment sitting by the front door in quarantine right now waiting to be set up. Oh, wow. That's so exciting. Yeah. He's, he's just very much on fire about this, which I'm, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to hearing it because I just, he's a lot smarter than I am. And I really enjoy listening to him talk about theism and just the things of God and the way that he is so calm and rational about the way that he explains things. He doesn't, you know, get upset and angry when people say things that tend to be a little bit inflammatory. He's very patient with people who, um, who have questions, which I think is so cool. I can't do that. That's awesome. He's an attorney, right? Yes, he is. Okay. Yeah. So what an incredible approach to things to, to go through an attorney's mind of like seeing all sides of things and trying to um, make a case for something yes. and you're building that case. I think that's like, you know, to say that he's accomplished nothing. That's part of why I was like, <laughs> you know, you are a successful attorney. Um, that's yes. To most people, that's an accomplishment. But I understand what he means. Like, you yeah. you have a passion that God has put in your heart, and he's he's not been able to yeah. fulfill that yet. And I think that's incredible. I'm excited to hear that. Um, any idea mm-hmm. when that might be coming out? Um, so it can, the stuff is coming out of quarantine, like tomorrow or the next day. Okay. Um, I don't know when he's actually going to go and set it up. Okay. Um, he does still, you know, he does still have to work. Okay. And, and his work is very demanding. And I know that he's got a few little things here that he's got to work out here and there. And he's, he kind of wants to plan, um, plan out what, what, you know, a series of podcasts on a specific topic and then move on to another one. And so he's, he's in the planning stages still, but, um, if you want to, look at um, Facebook or Twitter, um, Sensible Theism. You can subscribe for updates uh, for when it comes out. Awesome. Yeah, I will definitely link to that on our on our page um, because I think that's that's incredible. And I hope he has you as a part of that. I think that'll I be, so. yeah, I think that's awesome. I don't be able to contribute much, but. Well, I think also, I mean, sometimes just having that other other side coming in and asking some questions and, and maybe saying, okay, I see where you're coming from, but have you considered this or how yes. this might relate? And, you know, I, sure. I think he's pretty similar in a lot of ways to my husband. And his husband likes to, he is very much, he comes from a long line of attorneys, you know, way back. And I think that is in his blood. And I think that he would have had, he had not gone to the route of ministry, he would have been an attorney, but it's always building a case and I am the worst at arguing with him. But a lot of times I can ask a question like, okay, I see what you're saying and you see it like totally black and white, but here's this yeah. shade of gray that I'm seeing here. So I think, yeah. that, I think yeah. that's where we kind of come in. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, you know, when he went to, when he was in law school, he got suddenly so much better at arguing and it was really hard for me. So I had to kind of step up my game a little bit. I'm still not as good as he did, but um, he can make a point and it's frustrating in like, like you were saying, I, 
he can say something and I know that he's wrong. I just don't know why he's wrong or how he's wrong, but I know he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, you know, he comes from the mindset of I'm not wrong unless you can prove me wrong. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, and then I'm like, I just, I shut down. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think some people are just naturally gifted toward apologetics. And yeah. I, I, I am gifted toward teaching and other things, but not apologetics. I, I can, I can understand it. I can follow the conversation, but I don't know that I could always do the best at participating. But, but you could also help in um, kind of bridging that gap between the really heady uh, attorney side and then making it accessible for people. So yeah. I think that that's where your te- that's the gifting of a teacher is to make things accessible. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I hope you get to be a part of it because I think it's awesome to watch husbands and wives kind of partner up with some things. And um, even if it's mostly his, to see you kind of make some guest appearances, I'm, I'm fighting for that. Yeah. I'm all about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I could totally do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. It has been so much fun and it's really been a blessing and an encouragement to me. And I just I really enjoyed it too. Well, I hope that you have a wonderful evening. And thanks for, I know we're going a little long, but I appreciate you just taking that time to to share all that you've been through. You've been through so much, and I know it's going to be an encouragement to so many. Thanks, Stephanie. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Christine's story is so inspiring. Her ability to focus on her blessings and God's goodness, even in the difficult times, is incredible. I pray that it was encouraging to you as well. Thanks again for listening. Do yourself a favor. Check out my husband, Phil Baker's podcast, Reclaiming the Faith. I know that you're going to love some of these interviews he has coming up. Find it at reclaimingthefaith.podbean.com. And you can find me at faithfulpodcast.podbean.com or on Instagram at faithfulpodcast. I'd love it if you could leave me an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts because reviews are so important to help other people find the podcast so that it can be a blessing to them. Make sure you subscribe to the Faithful Podcast so that you never miss an episode. Have a great week and remember to stay faithful, friends.